Hooray. Hooray. Hi, everybody. Hi. Hello from our homes to your home. Because none of us are anywhere else right now, unless you have to be working, obviously. And that is a special level of peril. Uh, We love you. We love you, and we're real, real sorry that you're on the front lines. And for those of you who aren't, we're real, real sorry you're not getting paid, and you have no idea what's going to happen in the coming weeks. We are not either, and we do not either. And this is honestly, this is so like, this is the best we can do right now. Well, and I feel like what the very least we could do for, because we love you guys so much is to give you quality entertainment. So today, absolutely. Um, piggybacking off of, uh, oh, by the way, I'm Lillian Bustle. I'm Jen Ponton. And this is a very special episode of all the fucks. Spooky edition. Quarantini episodes. Quarantini. <laughs> uh, so teeny. Um, so teeny tiny. So terrifying. <laughs> I uh, had recommended as like a cool stuff to think about, talk about the, the cool the, stuff to think about. You know, <laughs> that's the best I can do right now, Jen. I love it. It makes me so happy. Something to squish into your ear to take up space where everything else is just like electrocuted hamsters running around after each other. (laughs) Nobody else? I'm into all of it. (laughs) I mean, somebody's into that. But (laughs) yes. But um, Jezebel's Scary Stories contest every year, Jezebel.com. Um, if you just like Google Jezebel and spooky stories or scary stories or whatever, you'll come up with, um, you can go about this two ways. You guys, you can either go to the submission post wherein, um, it is a free for all and anybody can post their, whatever their stories there. People call each other out too. They're like, that's actually from creepypasta or like, that's this over here. Um, that's not true. And then mm-hmm. the Jezebel people comb through all of it and they take the 10, best ghosty it's not always ghosts sometimes it's like home intruders <laughs> oh right right they are scary stories sometimes they're it's just a scary. scary story about being a woman or femme in the world <laughs> endless uh-huh. stories yeah um yep so jen and i are going to read each other and you some of these spooky scary stories very excite and i very excited like i've read a bunch of these but i don't i don't know i'm sure i don't remember all of them um, I have one that's like a medium size. Is there, do you have a specific one you want to start with? Um, yeah, this is one I read the other day. And yours is 20, I, 2015, right? Uh, I'm doing 2016. Oh, okay. I'm doing 2016. So I read this story the other day. And it was very distressing. So this is a, this is a real life scary story, all right? Um, by real life, I mean it's not supernatural. Oh, okay, all right, okay. I've only told this story to my closest friends. I haven't even confided in my sister for fear of the obvious shame. Please buckle in because this tale needs to be told in length. I went to a college in a Chicago, which has a large gay community. Now, gay men are true champions of leveraging technology to their special uh, to their sexual prowess. 
Grindr was on the map as the go-to hookup app years before the straights got into a tizzy about Tinder. <laughs> I normally used Grindr to expedite getting my rocks off, but I was having an off week and decided to use a platform that's more to the point, Craigslist. I posted a listing looking for a hookup with a good-looking, slightly older man, and within a few hours, I settled on a fit 30-something. This was a Friday night, and he agreed to pick me up at my apartment building. Then he would take me back to his place, and we'd fool around. He picks me up at my nearest intersection. He's just as attractive as his picture, yes, but something is off personality-wise. I can only describe it as he was a little off, but he wasn't off in a slow or stupid way. In fact, it was the total opposite. He was incredibly nice. His voice was kind and light, but there was something too practiced behind it. In retrospect, the more I think about it, the more it feels rehearsed, calculated, like a razor blade hiding in a popsicle. Uh -uh. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Shut it down immediately. Stay out of the forest. Call your dad. Fuck. (laughs) Stay out of popsicles for sure. (laughs) He asked me a little bit about myself, but then he didn't respond when I would ask him the same questions. He'd just smile and laugh it off. What I did manage to get out of him was that he worked in real estate. Remember this. He had told me earlier through email that he lived on X and Y Street. I wrote this off as a blip originally because those two streets ran parallel, so he essentially told me that he lived in the middle of the road. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We were in his car for about eight minutes when he had already passed these two streets by a few blocks. I lived in a popular walkable area, and at this moment I told myself, you can get out of the car now and you can run home. You're still close enough. But I ignored my gut. I uh, told myself that I was overanalyzing this. Never. Nope. No, 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 never. We get to his place after a 35-minute car ride. We're out of the city and in a neighborhood. Right away, his house is clean. But again, it's too clean. Everything was so polished, nothing out of place. There was a Dexter level of cleanliness to it. No. We go into the kitchen, which was in the back of the house, and after a minute or two of more awkward conversation, I wrap my hands around him and kiss him, except he doesn't receive the kiss. No. My My lips make contact with his, but his lips remain flat and at rest. There is a moment of pause, and he smiles against my kiss. Ew. This wasn't – oh, yeah. Ew. This wasn't a friendly smile. This was a knowing smirk. He tells me this is his first time, and he's very, very nervous. He excuses himself and runs down to the basement. The stairs down are next to the kitchen. They are not a straight staircase. They turn at a right angle halfway down, which prevents me from seeing what's downstairs. Mm -hmm. He's down there for a good five to ten minutes. I hear stuff rustling around, metal things clanking together. I yell down to get him back up. The sound stops. No reply. It starts again. I run to the bathroom and lock the door. I think about jumping out the window. It's a ranch. I text a friend. He tells me to get out, but I don't want to offend my host. There's a knock on the bathroom door, and he says to meet him in the bedroom. The kitchen is next to the bathroom. I consider pocketing a kitchen knife. Oh my God, just tell him that you have explosive diarrhea and you can't come out. (laughs) 
<laughs> he comes back out and we finally start fooling around. No! He won't. I know. I know. I know. I'm like, why? <laughs> it, this is desaturation. Oh, my love. This is desaturation. I hate it. I hate it. He won't kiss, and he keeps telling me that this is his first time doing this. The murdering thing, you! It's the first right? time murdering someone. He actually says that later. Ooh. The weird thing is that he's oddly comfortable with my body, and he's actually good at gay stuff. He gets <laughs> he gets very aggressive at one point. I looked around the room and spotted a blue glass vase. I tell myself that I can use this as a weapon if need be. He doesn't finish, but I ask if I may finish on him. He agrees. He freaks out after I do. He gets up without saying a word and completely naked. He walks back down to the basement. No. No. I put on my underwear and walk to the edge of the stairs. I hear whimpers and whispers. There is no one downstairs except for him of this, I am sure. The clanking metal sounds continue. They're nothing loud. They sound like a scalpel being placed on a metal surgery tray or tools <laughs> bouncing in a toolbox. Oh, no. Wait, just wait. He's downstairs for 5, 10, 15 minutes now. I am fully dressed. I'm giving my friend a play-by-play through text, and he tells me to drop him a pin. I don't know how, so he walks me through the process. Oh, to see when where I in finally. The map. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. When I finally do send him my location, he calls me. You have to get out of the house now. Why? I ask. Do you know where you are? You're out by O'Hare. My fight or flight completely click- kicks in, now understanding that I am stranded in an area that has no access to public transportation. Oh, fuck. Uh-huh. And I don't have a car. I yell downstairs to see if he's all right. All sounds, all sounds stop. No reply. (sighs) For a moment, I think about grabbing his keys from his jacket, driving his car a few blocks from my place, and leaving it wherever. Yes. At this point, I yell down, I'll be waiting outside. I hear what sounds like chains dropping (sighs) and footsteps coming heavily up the stairs. I run to the door, fumbling with the lock until I rip it open and get outside. He was naked last time I saw him, so I figure getting dressed will at least slow him down. I freeze for a moment, and then I took off running. I made it two blocks away before I broke down crying and called an Uber. This was February in Chicago, and it was maybe 22 degrees outside and (sighs) snowy. No. At this point, Mystery Man tries calling me, and I hang up. He texts, ha ha, where'd you go? I say that I got a ride and that I'm okay. Change your phone number now. (laughs) I block his number. I hid between two two cars at a used car lot while waiting 30 minutes for an Uber to pick me up. I saw Mystery Man's car driving around. Two Ubers had already canceled and I had to call the third Uber to make him promise that he wouldn't cancel on me because I was in danger. I block out this experience mostly. There are some nights when I begin to go over all the details in my head. It destroys me and turns my blood cold. And it's the little red flags that deeply unnerve me. One, I'm convinced that we were in a model home or at least a home that he was selling. Oh. Oof. 
Two, he was gay and comfortable with himself, but I believe he was referring to something far more sinister when he was saying that this was his first time. Fuck. Three, the smartest thing I did among many foolish choices was not going down to that basement. I do not think I would have come back upstairs if I had. Oh, my God. Four, there's a moment in the end of The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo where a man goes to the killer, goes with the killer into his house, knowing by now that he is the serial killer. And the killer says some, something along the lines of, you knew, but you still came inside. We're too afraid of being rude to go with our animal instinct and get away from danger. I experienced this firsthand. Yeah. Um, and five, I always think back to the story that was submitted here last year about a man who was almost killed by John Wayne Gacy at a hotel as a teenager. Oh. He says that one day he saw Gacy's face on the TV after being caught and he had a total breakdown knowing what almost became of him. Something deep inside me tells me that I may have had a moment like that myself one day. Damn. Damn. I, you know, it's easy to be like, how could you have gone through with that? I, I back in my dating days, definitely messed around with people, even though I already got red flags and like went way further than anyone normally would have. Like not, not anyone normally. Right. way further than it makes sense if you're on the outside looking in. Yeah. Yeah, when totally. Like, right. Why? Like, why did you, why did you do that? Because in your head, you're like, it's fine. It's okay. It's okay. I don't want to be rude. I'm sure that they're lovely. They're, maybe they're just weird. Just like a social you know, emotional intelligence thing. I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure it's fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, the whispering would have gotten me though. I got to tell you, I would have oh peed my pants. That's too much. Absolutely. I can't believe, like, again, it's, it's one thing to be on the outside, but like to hear that happening and then be like, well, going to put my face on his face. <laughs> Fuck politeness, dude. Fuck politeness. All of you. Fuck politeness. Oh my god! Very important. Oh, so oh, so it's really nice to feel tense about something else. So thank you for that. Right? Yeah. (laughs) Maybe I'll actually get into horror now. Like I like to read the stuff, but um, yeah. Okay. By contrast, I am a huge horror fan, y'all. Yeah. Uh, This is how horror makes me cope with my life because I'm like, oh, well. There are better things that there are worse things than what I'm going through. <laughs> I think mine has to do with like my Christian upbringing, the fact that I can't hold on to it because there's something. Oh, totally. I just had like tons of like if you put that in your head, then the devil will like grab it and use it against you. And then you know I would scare myself into nightmares about whatever imagery. That's the thing with movies. <laughs> like I can read and I can I can make things up in my head, but if I see someone else's, so like fast zombies are a problem for me. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like 28 days Oh, later. yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. 28 days. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where they look at you and then they're like, zip, 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 zip. Nope. Mm-hmm. Nope. That. Um, and like the Pennywise dancing as the old lady in the background. Like little things like that my brain won't let go of. And then I'll be totally fine falling asleep. And then it's like, oh, what about this? Nope. Nope. And then, and then I can't sleep forever. Because like I'll just see it on the back of my eyelids. Whew. 
Yeah. Yeah. Same. Can I read you one called The Haunted Strip Club? Yes, please. I have not read this, um, but it is called The Haunted Strip Club, so I'm totally in. Uh, um, from Dinosaur Dance Party. Shout out. And this is, I believe, from 2013. And I'm going to burp, but not in your ear. Hang on a second. Oh, that was a quiet one. Um, okay. Okay. So this was when I used to live in a different state. I got a job working as a cocktail server at a strip club, which was a good choice for me at the time as the club was very fun, kind of metal punk vibe, and also very popular with lesbians. And since I was going through the process of coming out as bisexual it, and was in a very radical, fuck corporate society, fuck men, let's take their money face. <laughs> Love it. I'm not one of those people who think stripping is super empowering, but it was a good fit at the time. Also, don't caveat that, lady. Uh, also, while I was there after about six weeks... I would often have terrible suffocating feelings, almost about to have panic attacks, and terrible migraines while working in the club. I would often feel panicked and scared, but I chalked it up to a stressful job in a strange environment. I had never had these feelings anywhere else around this time. So the club mm. was really kind of messy, not dirty, but just filled with things in all capitals. <laughs> lots of tables in the bar, lots of speakers and extra crap in the back storage room behind the stage, always, and a tiny crowded dressing room for the dancers. Yep. Uh, behind the stage, there was a storage room area that had several dressers and mirrors put in, as well as an old comfy couch in case the dancers wanted to use it as an extra dressing room or a place to nap, but no one ever actually used it. This this <clears throat> this room gave me the worst suffocating, panic-inducing vibes at all of all, and I had no explanation for it. So, I would often be at work until 4 a.m. or later, and since I didn't have a car, public transportation wasn't running, and it was a kind of a sketchy neighborhood, I would wait until one of the dancers was done for the night, and she would drop me off at home. This was often after my own shift ended. When I first started working, I would spend that extra time trying to do side work, clean, straighten up like a good employee, but after a while, I would just hang out in the back room studying, and since I was in grad school at the time, oh, sorry, since I was in grad school at the time, until, in, <clears throat> I'm going to do that whole sentence over again. When I first started working, I would spend that extra time trying to do side work, clean and straighten up like a good employee. But after a while, I would often just hang out in the back room studying since I was also in grad school at the time. Until when I started completely freaking out in the back room, and when I would leave to go sit up at the bar or in the dancer's dressing room, the feeling would mostly go away. Mm. So also when this stuff started to get worse, I have to add that some of it was around Halloween, so I was watching a lot of scary movies, Lillian relates. Um, and I was also smoking a ton of weed, so both of these things might have had some effect on my psyche. But also these feelings never happened anywhere else around this time. I started to kind of bring it up to the dancer that drove me home. She said the back room also creeped her out, but didn't go into any detail. So, one night after I was closing, I was carrying a box of extra glasses into the back room, and I heard the most terrifying sound of my life. It was like from a horror film like a long screech, almost like electronic music, but just one tone, almost like a, oh no, a chainsaw that reverberated around the entire floor and walls. What the, what the, what? Oh, I dropped the box, screamed and ran out to the floor. The bartender said he had heard a noise as well, but not as loud as me and without the vibrating floor walls and started checking the sound system, telling me the music equipment had probably just started fucking up. This happened at least five more times while I worked there sometimes other people heard it sometimes just me always when I was walking into the back room oh no twice twice when I walked into the back room the light would flicker off and would be replaced with a red glow like someone had Fuck just no. put in a red light bulb 
no, 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 no. Both times that happened, I ran out, got the bartender, they would check and the light would be totally dead, not working. After a while, I was constantly shaken and didn't want to tell them every time something happened since I was afraid they would think I was crazy. After the noise and red light, I would never go in the back room. Don't go in the back room. Oh, Even girl. when I should have been cleaning it. It sounds like nobody was cleaning it. Listen, just let it fester. <laughs> it's fine. What? That's obviously Sounds what like a wants. lost cause. Exactly. Oh, one time I was standing in the hall between the dancer's room and the back room, half, <laughs> half-heartedly sweeping the floor and staring into the back room. No. No. Why would you do that? Oh, fuck. Mm. Uh, I was starting to feel a panic in my chest and kept telling myself to look away and look into the dressing room. <gasps> But I couldn't stop staring like I was transfixed. Unsubscribe! Unsubscribe! (laughs) And in the corner of my eye, I saw a reflection in the mirror set up leaning against a dresser in the back room. I forced my head to look. And I saw in the mirror two legs in black ripped tights floating about a foot from the floor swaying back and forth. (gasps) Oh, fuck. I threw the broom, screamed as loud as I could and ran to the bar. I was convinced one of the dancers had hung herself in that room. I could so see it so clearly in my mind. Yeah. Of course, when we bet, went back, nothing was there. Of one course. of the dancers was convinced that the room was haunted and I was seeing a ghost. She thought maybe somebody had killed himself, killed herself back there. She wanted to get she wanted to get me and some of her friends to do a Ouija board about the bar and the ghost. Uh, but I was too the terrified. The only way to make this worse. How can I make this infinitely worse? I need answers. <laughs> Let's get a Ouija board. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> around all this happening I felt like I was losing my mind of course I I was having panic attacks migraines sleeping with my lights on terrified of my shadow carried pepper spray everywhere I went it may just have been a combination of everything in my life sleeping weird hours grad school dealing with my own personal shit but I've always been a high stress person who's who's worked a lot more stressful jobs since then and I have never experienced anything like that ever in my life (sighs) after uh, about a week after I saw the legs in the mirror I was working one more shift before taking off a week to do some research for grad class and go on a long weekend trip with my girlfriend. This was near Halloween, so the club had kind of gone all out and had goofy decorations and costumes. I was usually dressed all in black anyway, and I was not afraid to wear anything. And I I usually dressed all in black anyway, and I tried not to wear anything too sexy or distracting, so customers would mostly leave me alone and concentrate on the dancers. Understand you, baby. So this day I just wore a black skirt and a t-shirt, but had my face painted like a Dia de los Muertes sugar skull. Sidebar, problematic, but it's fine. Um, uh, It was mostly white with jewels and it was fucking rad. Since I was so freaked out all the time at the club, I started asking if I could leave around midnight and catch the last bus. But this night, girl gets the point. But this night my friends were asking me to drink at the club after my shift. I was near the end of my shift and was taking off my apron in the dressing room and leaned over the dancer's mirror to check my makeup. And that is the last thing I remember until I was being shaken awake by one of the bouncers with a friend and my girlfriend by my side. I was in the haunted back room laying on the couch and my face paint was completely smeared all over my face. And they said I had disappeared for 45 minutes until they went looking for me and found me asleep and had been trying to shake me awake for almost two minutes. That's some fugue state shit. I don't like that. Mm-mm. Shut that one down. Oh, I was completely hysterical. Had no idea what happened. My clothes weren't disturbed. My tip money still in my apron. I was almost afraid I had been drugged. But right after this event, I went to the doctor. No health insurance. So this was a big deal to me. Yes, I mm-hmm. hear you. 
um, got checked out. They gave, uh, had them give me an MRI since I was afraid I had a brain tumor or something that made me lose my mind. They suggested I speak to a psychologist. After that night, I had to quit the job and never went back. Oh, besides those horrible Is events. That- it? No, there's one more sentence. Besides those oh, horrible God. events, I loved working there. I made a lot of friends, but I absolutely lost my mind. And once I left, I never felt any of those feelings or saw anything like that ever again. Holy shit. So I can't believe she was the only one who really uh, experienced it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like that profoundly, but ooh. Nope, 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 nope. Uh, Holy shit. Also. That's amazing. Uh, my commentary, not necessarily necessary. Um, this was 2013, so I don't know if this girl is white or not, but generally it's frowned upon for white folks to wear Dia de los Muertes makeup. Yeah, it's a different time. But that was, like, that was, I mean, I'm not making excuses. I'm just saying. I'm ready. All right, so this next one is a whopper. It's called A Real Fixer Upper, and it's by user Pickle Juice in My Paper Cut. No. <laughs> no. I already, I already. And, and just wait, you're going to continue saying no a whole lot. Oh. About five years ago, my husband Adam and I decided that it was finally time to start looking to purchase a house. We had always talked about buying an old fixer-upper home because we've had the idea that they hold more charm and character. Plus, we can appreciate a place that has its own quirks, and we love the thought of turning something run down into something beautiful again. With that being said, I grew up in a pretty rural farming town in Indiana that had more than its fair share of run-down houses. The surrounding areas had started to boom a little bit, with farmland being sold off and turned into new factory locations, along with new subdivisions for the people coming to work for them. I thought it'd be a great place to start on our house hunt. I figured we'd be a lot closer to civilization than I used to be growing up, but not so much that we'd be living a stone's throw away from our neighbors. Adam and I decided to take a drive one summer Sunday afternoon so I could show him some of the back roads of my hometown and to also see what some of the properties we checked out online looked like in person. As we were turning off the main road through town and further onto a more secluded country road, we noticed that the very first house on the left was completely abandoned. Oh. This is where I know. That's, why Jen, like, that's why Jen picked this one. <laughs> that is exactly Jen loves abandoned houses. <laughs> we, we pulled into a small patch of the yard where the grass was the shortest and where a gravel driveway used to be to further investigate. It was painted a deep green color, which made it almost invisible <gasps> against the tall grass. Oh, no, I think I know this one. <laughs> oh, God. Um, oh, God. It was almost invisible against the tall grass, sticker bushes, and weeds that had grown up around it. Mm. There was a massive tree in the front yard whose branches and leaves helped to camouflage this place even further. The house looked as if it were at least 100 years old. It looked like it had sat empty for years. It looked neglected, weather-worn, and in need of major love. In that moment, it was perfect. 
There was nothing but woods across the street and no neighboring houses in sight, so Adam and I thought it probably wouldn't hurt if we just trespassed a little. Oh, come on, Adam. Come on, Adam. I completely justified my reasoning by thinking, well, we're interested in buying the property. We're not here to cause trouble. We're doing someone a favor. We could take this burden of a house off of someone's hands. We just need to take a look around first. That's all. (laughs) Plus, there weren't any no trespassing signs anywhere. So (laughs) this is literally how my brain works. So I was perfectly armed with my newfound inflated ignorance and arrogance to assess this property. (laughs) To assess this property. We we walked carefully through the brush toward the left side of the house where we noticed a well that was still standing, complete with bucket, rope, handle, and the original overhang. My excitement for a picturesque country house was building. Directly across from the well, there was a side entrance into the house through what looked like an added-on mudroom. The screen door to the mudroom was closed. However, there was a wooden door behind it that was half open. This was our not-really-intrusive-because-we-aren't-breaking-anything-to-get-in way in. It was probably in the mid-90s outside that day. So when we entered, Adam first, we were met with thick, stifling heat. The kind that holds so much humidity that it almost takes your breath away. What we thought was a mudroom was an extended pantry area or canning kitchen. It was tiny with one window, an old rusted sink, a small stove, and the walls still had held shelves upon shelves of canned and spoiled vegetables in jars. I remember thinking, oh, yeah, this will be great. I totally remember how to can, and we can have a garden, and and insert all kinds of other giddy thoughts women have while in the throes of house hunting. <laughs> Accurate. It also had the doorway into the main part of the house, and this is where my elation came to an end. Through the doorway was the kitchen. What remained of the cabinets and sink were against the wall on the left, but they were either broken or hanging on for dear life, or both. The kitchen connected to a wide-open living area, with one side having walls streaked with black that led up to a half-sunken gray ceiling. There had been a fire at some point. The windows on that wall were filthy, covered in dust or ash that made the room much darker than it should have been in the middle of the day. My heart sank. I knew we wouldn't be able to afford a costly repair of a house fire, but I kept that disappointing thought to myself. The open living area had not one stitch of furniture, save for one small wooden rocking horse Hmm. that a child would have. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. Mm -hmm. The floor was littered with magazines, as if someone had a giant stack of them and just threw them up in the air to see where they'd land. Curious as to what the former homeowners liked in regards to reading material, I decided to check them out. Almost every single magazine was related to dolls in some way. (gasps) Porcelain doll collecting, Barbie dolls, making dolls by hand, clothing for dolls... I felt a little creeped out by it, especially under the surveillance of the rocking horse's dead painted on stare. Wait, I know that you don't know the answer to this, but now I got to know, like, are they recent? 
Like, are they magazines? Right. Like, if it's if she thinks that it's a hundred years old and the house has been in disrepair for like twenty years or something, like, is it from? Is it like nineteen seventies macrame or is it like? Oh shit! Oh, that's good. Oh, that's good. Now I need totally. to know. <laughs> oh. Uh, I figured that an old lady must have lived in the house before, and I created a self-medicating idea that her husband probably died, and this was the only hobby she had to pass her time. Sure. Sure. We decided to check out another room that was connected to the half-burned living area. Through the doorway to the left was a weird combination of a molded stand-up shower with handicap handles and an assisted toilet next to it, divided down the middle by a wall. On the right was a wall made entirely of built-in bookshelves. The shelves were full of paperwork, manila envelopes, books, and even more magazines. It struck us as a pretty weird setup, but thought these people must have really loved to read while sitting on the toilet. My (laughs) husband and I thought we could find out who the previous homeowners were, since some of the paperwork on top of the stacks seemed to be old bills. Oh, sure. If we Sleuthing. I like it. (laughs) If we wanted to look up property records, at least now we would have a name to go on. I grabbed a stack of papers and began to flip through them when about halfway through, they changed from being old telephone bills to printed out color pictures from the internet of porcelain dolls. I put the stack of papers back on the shelf and picked up a small red five-star notebook. I started from the beginning, casually leafing through and seeing daily entries of medications taken, blood pressure and glucose measurements written in a neat hand. About 20 pages in, the entries started to change entirely. They became crude drawings of twisted faces done in red ink. The faces had horns or bloody fangs. (laughs) Then... Full-on drawings of devils appeared in the pages after. Oh, oh. Don't get it on you. It's on you. You're holding the notebook. It's, it's on, on you. I know, right? Fuck. I wanted to believe that a child had picked this up to doodle in, but I felt like this was something much different than that. After the drawings, the notebook became someone's personal journal, written in what I assumed was an elderly man's cursive. It told of how he knew he was coming toward the end of his life and how he remembered being just a young boy when his mother passed away. He described in detail how the wake for his mother was held in the front room of his home and how during those nights he crawled on top of his mother's body in her coffin (gasps) to sleep. Nope. Nope. (laughs) No. That's that's gonna be a no from me, dog. It's oh. <laughs> a little pitchy. Oh no, no! I couldn't believe what I was reading, oh. even though I had been sweating from the thickness in the air. A sudden rush of goosebumps came over me. I immediately showed it to Adam, flipping to the pages of devils and snarled faces, and then read aloud the stranger's memories of his mother, just to see if it was the same the second time around. After I finished, he said, well, this just got a whole lot weirder, nodding to what he held in his hands. <gasps> while, while I was reading the notebook, he had continued rifling through the mountains of papers. One stack not only had more printed pictures of dolls, but they now contained pictures of real women. <gasps> 
in torture bondage. <gasps> Ball gags or electrical tape placed over their mouths. Jumper cables twisting their nipples, being hogtied with rope. Sometimes there was more than one woman in the picture. It felt as if a brick had been tossed onto my stomach. For some, those images wouldn't be disturbing, but in the context of our visit, yeah, yeah. My, pan- <laughs> my panic was starting to grow. I was torn between wanting to find out more and getting the fuck out. Adam reassured me that while it was on the creepy side, it wasn't anything to necessarily lose my shit over since the women didn't seem to be suffering or bleeding. The burned out living area was separated from the rest of the house by a staircase. The staircase had a room directly across from it and a small hallway on the other side that led to the main room at the front of the house. We debated on going up to the second floor, but decided against it since it already felt as if we were roasting in an oven and we were unsure of the stability of the second story. Going into the room across the staircase, we noticed a few more doll magazines on the floor, but not near the number the other rooms held. There were scattered plastic doll pieces here and there, random arms and heads. To the left was the original fireplace with a couple tiny vases on the mantel. Smack dab in the middle was a framed picture of an elderly couple, smiling and happy. These certainly weren't the type of people that would have pictures of women bound and gagged, hidden away in their bathroom. These people could have been my grandparents, I thought to myself. Grandparents like porn too, but like, I I get it. (laughs) To the right was a big bay window, and smack dab in the middle of it was a yellowed piece of paper with faded black printed handwriting on it. It was for anyone on the outside of the house to see before it became overgrown. Reading it backwards from the inside, it said, if you're here to talk about Jesus, go away. Uh, That's kind of hilarious, Adam said after reading it for himself. (laughs) Yeah, it kind of is. I half chuckled, but something in my brain was starting to nag me even more. Something wasn't computing correctly for me. Thinking back, my mind was putting together that an elderly couple in this town would more than likely be pretty religious, and by the super small chance that they weren't, it would have been gossiped about had someone seen that in the window. It was as if the house had held two very different personalities within. I told my husband that I just wanted to go into the one last room down the little hallway, and then I would be very ready to leave. Yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Pickle juice? No. Going down the small hallway, it became darker and cooler. It was a relief from the oppressive heat that we had been dealing with since first stepping inside. The shade from the giant tree in the front yard had blocked out a lot of the sunlight, making it about 20 degrees cooler. But we soon realized that wasn't the only reason this part of the house's temperature was much more tolerable. Rounding the corner into the last room, it took a few seconds for our eyes to adjust to the difference in light, Hmm. but the change of the air was noticeable immediately. It was as if we had stepped into a cave. The smell was dank and left a a dampness on our skin. Once things came into clear focus, that's when we saw it. The main reason our senses had shifted so quickly The large hole in the floor. (gasps) At first, we thought that perhaps the wooden floor was so weak that it had simply caved in on its own, or that the roof had leaked and caused this exact area of floor to rot away. But upon getting closer, it became obvious this wasn't the case. The 
The hole was about five feet across and went straight down into the earth with about a two feet of space between the remaining floor and the dirt. This hole was there because it was made to be there. My my husband and I looked at each other. My heart was racing so fast that I thought it would burst through my chest. I said aloud to him while pointing, what the fuck is this? Why is this here? I panicked, my breathing becoming more rapid and shallow. Nothing was making sense. And yet the thoughts that had been running in the background of my brain were all coming together like a jigsaw puzzle. Then we saw them. The worn and faded social security cards. A few old and molded over driver's license, just thrown around haphazardly, checkbooks, credit cards, as if someone had emptied their purse or wallet in this room and then just disappeared into the hole. I was overcome with terror and dread. I had to get out of this house. My skin felt like static, as if my whole body had been taken over by the sensation of when your foot falls asleep. I had tears forming in my eyes, and my mind just told me to run. Without having to speak, Adam quickly took me by the arm and led us back down the hallway, through the burned-out living room and kitchen, out the side canning room, and back out into the light of day. We ran back down the mangled and tangled driveway to the car. Remembering back, I had the eerie feeling that we weren't the only two people in the house that day, alive or dead. A side note, the house still stands. We never called the police to report us breaking into the house and finding a giant hole in the floor. However, we drove past it about a year later, and the large tree in the front yard had all its branches removed. All the windows had been boarded shut, and after doing some research, found out the land it sits on is for sale. The house itself has been condemned. Fuck! No, Fuck. the social security cards. No, oh with my that. God. Right, right. I'm not going to recover Holy from shit. that one. Shit, that's a it's a rough one. I know that one. <laughs> so I remember reading that Jesus one. Christ. I was telling Jen that when I when I found these, um, <laughs> when I found these, it was it was during a weird time in my life because we had uh, we were trying to get we adopted a cat. We were trying to get it to be friends with the other cat. And they weren't fucking having it. So my husband and I slept in separate rooms with the doors closed for six months. And I'm not kidding. Um, It was a very stressful time. But during that time, like I would just, I was reading a lot of um, Dear David was on Twitter. So I was like looking out for Dear David stuff. And I was reading Jezebel. Now tell our friends what Dear David is just in case they haven't found this treasure. Sure. So that's a cultural touchstone that some folks might not remember. (laughs) I want to say it was two years ago. Um, Mm-hmm. Two years, maybe. Um, and this writer, accidentally find him. Dear David, movie in the works at New Line. Oh shit! Nah, that's from twenty eighteen. If it hasn't happened by now, I don't think it's gonna happen. There's a short film on on YouTube. Okay, so I'm gonna. Oh yeah, I guess you 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 have a good timeline because you know when you had Dolores, right? So, um, so dear David, to, to quickly explain, um, there was a writer for BuzzFeed named Adam Ellis. Um, he's a cartoonist, uh, and just like a like cool, like his Twitter feed is great. It's great to um, pay attention to, no matter whether or not you were into this dear David thing. But 
Um, <laughs> he started he started with a post that said, my apartment is currently be ha- being haunted by the ghost of a dead child and he's trying to kill me. So every so often, <laughs> he would just update. And I don't want to tell you anything because it's like, and it doesn't even matter to me, Jen, if it was real or if he made it a whole thing up. It doesn't matter because it's such right. great storytelling in it. It is great storytelling and, and a very effective use of Twitter yes. as a horror medium. Yes. So effective. Yeah. Oh, my God. We've never seen anything like that in that format. Right. <laughs> what accent was that? we never seen anything like that in this format. Um, <laughs> we ain't never seen that before. Uh, that ain't mine. So um, <laughs> uh, I was, like, simultaneously on the lookout for new Dear David tweets. And he always did it like 11 o'clock at night Eastern. And I was scaring oh, the yes. shit out of myself with these Jezebel stories. And um, and I was snuggling with this beautiful kitty that we wound up having to rehome. But she was adorable and I loved her. Um, she was a good baby. If Andrew were not allergic, I would have adopted her in an instant. She was a real sweet one. But she's with this lovely British couple now. Um, true. <laughs> you know. Very sexy voices. So That's right. You're going to be scared. It may as well be from us. <laughs> and not in the way That's you expect. Right. Okay, this is my favorite <laughs> of all time. And again, I'm I have so ready. Like, trolled. I have combed through these things and forgotten most of them. Which is, I have a gift. Even better, I have a gift where I, I can read Pat Conroy novels over and over and over again because I immediately <laughs> forget everything that happens. Like I can tell you a big plot point. I'm like, one of them. There's a tiger in a gas station. Um. Yeah, I have. A Let's hard time. be real. Pat Conroy is a very overwrought author. Oh, he's perfect. Like his right. stories. I love him. His stories. I mean, I, 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 I find him very melodramatic and southern, and I don't necessarily mean that in a bad way. No, it appeals to <laughs> my sense of romance and tragedy all yes. at the same time. Yes. Yes. He's very romantic, very tragic. Absolutely. Yeah. Read beach music if you're bored. Um. Okay. But my dad loved beach music, oh, by the by. Oh, I still he have it. I'm gonna reread it. Loved it. Yay. Um, okay, my favorite Jezebel story ever. It is called The Truculent Truck from uh, a contributor named Sorcia McNasty. <laughs> huh. We've never figured this out, and now the three living witnesses have to be good and fucking drunk to discuss the whole thing. I was seven, my brother 10, my mom in her early 40s, my grandmother, her mom in her 60s. So we were all cogent. No one was too young or too senile to not recall this nonsense, yet still no bloody answer. Uh, Grandma lived on an isolated country road in North Carolina that was named after her family since they were the only crazy fuckers who lived on the land for about a thousand acres. And I do mean crazy. We have stories about relatives which start with, you remember that time Uncle Bob was in the ditch with a shotgun? Which time? <laughs> I grew up with those people, for sure. Her house had been empty for several weeks while she'd been visiting us in Florida, but we were all back, spending the weekend with her before trekking back to the Sunshine State. The house is in the for-real country, literally over train tracks past a salvage yard, and her nearest neighbor, a cousin, everybody's related to everyone who owns a house on the road, ain't within screaming distance. Yes, that seems to be a real system of measurement, scream and distance. <laughs> For the record, um, in my hometown, people would say just up crickaways. I lived at the end of a, a road that had a creek on it, and that was what they were just oh, he just sees that's just up crickaways. Just up the crickaways. Good Oof. lord. So it's early in the AM. 
like just before daybreak. We're awake because these are farm freaks who wake at the crack of dawn from sheer ingrained habit. We're eating cereal once we hear someone pull up outside. Curious, we all run to the big picture window that looks onto the front yard. There's a strange truck there. No one seems to be behind the wheel, though the engine is idling. The truck is, well, old for one thing. It's old-timey, like maybe from the 1930s. You can picture the Joad family heading to California in this thing. It was... <laughs> <laughs> it's rusted but was probably once painted blue we stare at the thing bewildered mom asks grandma if she knows who that is nope not a clue says grandma she runs to get the phone to call her cousin and ask him to come up she thinks maybe it's a hired hand and he's just at the wrong farm just as she asks him to come on down the phone goes dead well that's unsettling <laughs> all at once there's a loud insistent banging on the front door oh fuck we all scream my grandma, who's terrifyingly resourceful, huddles us all into the living room away from a window where anyone can see us. Then, while mom, me, and my brother tremble there on the couch, she grabs a serrated bread knife from the kitchen and cautiously approaches the front door. She peeks out a side window, very stealthily. She turns back to us and looks confused. She shakes her head like no one's there. We all kind of breathe easier. Then every goddamn door in the house is banging. Relentlessly. Oh. I can still hear it, rhythmic and terrifying, like all the doors are about to splinter and crack. There were two doors in the basement beneath us, so the sound is also a reverberation at our feet. The three ground floor doors are shaking. We can see them, trembling and jerking on their hinges from our vantage point on the couch. Finally, no, no, no. Ma, I know. Finally, Mom runs to the window, either from a psychotic break with reality or terror. I have no clue. She cries, oh, thank Christ, cousin is here. We run to her and peek out the picture window. There's no one we can see in the yard, but we can't see all the doors from our viewpoint. Cousin walks by the truck with a shotgun in his hand. Cousin, it should be noticed, has pretty much every gun ever made. He looks puzzled, looking at the rear of the truck. Then he glances in the cab window and stops. He goes pale, runs a hand down his face. Then he runs towards the house, towards us. My grandmother flings open the kitchen door. She sees him coming. He shouts, everyone get behind the couch, get down. He runs past us as we bolt for the couch. The banging starts again. And all the doors and now we can hear the windows rattle. It's like a tornado or the end of the world. Oh, We're too scared to even scream. Cousin flings open the front door and fires the huge shotgun once. Bang! Deafening. As he does, the truck roars into life and it sounds like a train. We scramble up. The banging stops mercifully. Cousin is, is advancing onto the lawn. The gun leveled at the truck. We run behind him wanting to be out of that shaking, quivering house and near the dude with the gun. The truck peels out backwards, cutting across the yard and racing into a breakneck speed. Tears squeal, rubbers burned. Cousin fires again and we all cower behind him. He blows out the back window with the sound of a thousand plates smashing into linoleum, but the truck never even hiccups, just roars down the road. No tags, not even a vanity plate on the back. There was no one behind the wheel of that thing. <gasps> I knew it! What the fuck? What the fuck? We all had a clear view. <laughs> Everyone agreed. Not a driver in the cab. Well, not anything we could see anyhow. Uh. <sighs> the police were called. Cousin had to go home to his house to call. This was way pre-cell phone era. The phone line had been cut. 
There was not a single boot print in the entire yard except Cousin's from where he'd run into and out of the house. Cousin reported there had been no plate, but when he looked into the cab, it looked like something from a horror movie. He said there were all kind of weird restraints, handcuffs, C-clamps, nylon straps, and he said the floorboard looked covered in what smelled like blood to him. <laughs> Cousin was famous for his keen sense of smell, and the window was down, so it's possible. <laughs> Because Cousin is obviously a hound dog. Cousin said he thought he saw a blur of something out the picture window and ran to fire the first shot but missed because once he stood there, nothing or no one was on the lawn or in the truck. Then it shot backwards out of the yard and out of our lives, leaving no answers, just a deep sense of unease every time we visit. Grandma and Cousin have passed. Deeply religious people, they stuck by their unchanging versions of the story till they died. My mother, brother, and I have never been able to figure out. Neither did the cops, I think it should be noted. We don't know how all the windows and doors were banging, and we don't know why we never saw a soul anywhere or how they could get around the sides of the house without leaving a trace in the damp earth. Holy shit. Holy shit. Okay, well, now I understand why that's your favorite. <laughs> Not only is it delightful and weird and spooky, it is also the hickiest shit I've ever heard. Yeah, for life. sure. Oh my god. Cousin. You know what? I love I just love my heart is with every every man like that on this planet though. Like whether or not we agree with politics, there are so many men out there who like if something happened and someone called you and they were like, This is a weird thing, and then the phone cut, they would grab a fucking gun and they would come (laughs) save your ass. They're out there and it's and it is necessary. Uh, obviously in some cases, probably mostly usually not ghosts, but like the fact that there are people who have those instincts that are like, no, absolutely. Fuck politeness. Who cares if it, like, maybe it is someone we hired and I forgot about, right. but the phone line right. just went dead. So I'm going to grab me a damn shotgun. I'm going to get over there and I'm going to blow this fucker's head off. Only there's no fucker and no head. <laughs> wow. That's it. It makes me wonder if like, yes, that truck belonged to a major murderer and like all of the ghost people that he killed were powering Holy shit. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Oh my God. Anyway. Oh my God. Scary stories. Scary stories. Um, uh, hot tip, dive into horror. Uh, if uh, unless you super super hate it obviously don't do something that's gonna upset you but like i don't know i find horror to be not only super entertaining especially the stuff that is uh higher performing there but also uh a lovely way to put what you're going through in perspective yes yeah for sure um i would also like to recommend although i don't know if it is uh too real too soon (laughs) Um, there's a movie that I adore, or I did before all of this happened, called It's a Disaster. Oh, I love... Have we talked about It's a Disaster? I don't remember if I recommended it, it here before, but I know you and I have talked about it. I really like that movie. Very good. Uh, on Hulu. Stars Julia Stiles and America Ferreira and David Cross. Yeah, I could I could rewatch that like now. I could totally rewatch that now. It is an end of the world. Yeah, it's an end of the world kind of thing. But uh, Mm -hmm. um, very apropos (laughs) to the current situation. 
Also, uh, if it's not too much for you, strongly recommend uh, the 2007 Spanish film Rec, R-E-C. Um, it's what Quarantine was then based on. Oh. Quarantine was the American version. Quarantine is not as scary. The Spanish one is scarier. And, uh, and it's about an apartment building that has to be quarantined because there's someone who has a new virus and it's a zombie-like virus. It's done very well. Quarantine's not a bad alternative Uh if that's what you have access to. But if you can watch Rec, strongly recommend that. R-E-C? R-E-C. Well, there we are. Yeah. We gave you something to be afraid about other than the current situation. Other than the current situation. So... Um, we will be here for y'all through this. We'll be here washing um, our hands. We'll be here washing our hands and laughing together and telling you ridiculous and scary stories. Um, we wish you all very, very well. Take care of yourselves. Try not to stress out too, too much. And um, thanks for giving all the fucks as always. All the fucks. All of them. Every last one. Oh. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye.